Welcome to Shed Life. Rude. <laughs> Welcome to the pod, mate. Welcome to the shed. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Not bad at all. Um, mate, have you seen the, um, the Last Dance? I know you're a big yeah. basketball fan. You finished yeah, it? Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it all now. So, it's, yeah, it's really, really good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was well interesting, wasn't it? Yeah, like, because we didn't really see Michael Jordan growing up. Mm. So, for us to see that, it's really interesting. Because for me, it was growing up watching Kobe Bryant. Yeah, fair. So, I mean, there was a lot yeah, of... Nice um, getting inside. Yeah, there was a lot of sort of people coming out in the media and stuff from some of his ex-teammates saying they weren't too impressed with their depiction <laughs> in, that, in that documentary, wasn't it? So... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Have you knows. seen it all? Yeah, I've seen it all. I finished it this week. Um, I thought it was quality watch, man. It's well interesting. What do you think so. about him as a, as a person? Oh, I don't know, man. There's, there's parts from when you bit, I don't know, maybe cringe a bit and think, oh, uh, you know, I, wasn't, I wouldn't expect that. But um, then when he's put, put it side by side with him being so successful and his team's being so successful, it's kind, it's kind of hard to knock it, right? It's difficult. Yeah, I love his, I love his quotes about that. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Yeah, but I know you're a big, big fan of basketball. Um, you're kind of seen as a modern-day Dennis Rodman, aren't you? That playboy kind of character. <laughs> <laughs> I try, but I can't live to those standards, can I? <laughs> no, I think it'll be difficult for anyone. All right, man. Um, so you are a supermarket manager, if that's correct. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, for one of these big supermarkets around country um yeah what's the story with the supermarkets at the moment then like you know if we're talking about stock footfall on the prices all that stuff what's the latest so if we start with stock levels at the moment um pretty good to be fair i think after everything that's happened so far with people just going a bit crazy with what they're buying um stock levels are fine there's still a few things we probably struggle to get hold of um such as like flour and stuff um, but that's just because of the kind of sales we saw before that the social distancing measures came into place. It means supplies are still pretty low. Um, in terms of footfall, I think every supermarket has done the same. Limited amount of people in, your, in the supermarkets just from a health and safety point of view and kind of stopping the spread, um, which then just means football is a little bit more restricted. You probably see more queues outside any supermarket you go to. Um, but I think with the current climate, it has to be done. Um, we can't really let um, as many people as we used to have in supermarkets um, just because of the spread of what if someone is is to have symptoms and spread it it, it could be pretty big um, so yeah footfall wise a lot of restrictions now um, which is good um, stock levels are getting to where they should be um, so overall I think in terms of shopping experiences in, in the supermarket sector it's probably a little bit more um, kind of nicer for customers less busy which is good mm. interesting yeah um, like you mentioned the, the queues and stuff outside, you have to sort of maintain that for social distancing. Um, what's sort of likely to be the next step going forward? Because I know that, you know, they're sort of bringing, the government's bringing this plan to ease lockdown, if you like. Um, how does that affect supermarkets? What's the sort of the next the strategy going forward? Or is it kind of business as usual at, as things stand? I think um, with most of the supermarkets, it's based on the government guidelines. It's a live situation for everyone. Um, so until the government come out and say these are the new plans in terms of lifting restrictions and lifting lockdown, 
um, then supermarkets will um, come out and decide what to do. Until then, and we don't really know much more about the plans for after lockdown. Um, so it's very difficult for me to say this is the plans. But I think once the guidance is there, we'll follow it. Like everything the supermarkets have done so far based on government guidance and government guidelines. And again, it is very much like every day something could come out and it causes big changes that everyone has to follow. So we mentioned, um, I mean, we mentioned sort of touched upon stock. Like, but has there been like at any point during the last few months any dangers of any sort of vital foods or anything running out because um, we have I seen that in remember, other countries yeah yeah i think you'd remember the panic buying that happened just before the lockdown um where it was kind of like seeing what other countries are doing and how they're reacting um a lot of people just went out and bought as much as they could which meant all supermarkets have to put restrictions on to products and how much you can buy it also, in terms of operating times, in terms of a lot of supermarkets, then decided to close earlier just to help in terms of replenishment. Um, but it just meant we were selling through months and months of supplies in days. Um, I think notoriously as pasta, you couldn't get hold of pasta, toilet paper, those kind of things. I think it was a lot of people seeing that before the lockdown happened, a lot of people thought lockdown would just be you can't leave your house for anything. And it just meant people were bought buying a lot of things. And that's what caused most supply issues. And you've probably seen pictures of like various supermarkets with, with shelves, which are empty. Yeah. Um, and during that, during that time period, it was basically anything you can get your hands on, you would buy, um, which was crazy. It was like seeing Christmas, but with Christmas, you can plan and, and actually bring in the volumes you need based on the seasonality of the stock. In this kind of um, unknown charter, it was territory. It's just a case of anything you have, and everything you did have just sold and it's very hard to meet the demand because it's very different so like for example toilet roll a pallet would probably last well three or four pallets would probably last like a day we were mm. selling three four pallets in like 10 minutes yeah awesome awesome <laughs> awesome if you need to go toilet yeah <laughs> um mate what's like the mood been around like the supermarket like if we're talking about staff members for example like how sort of protected have they felt um, both from a health perspective and or even financially? Um, yeah, like, you know, what's kind of general mood around these these folks? So in terms of um, protection, like, so if we look at PPE and stuff, I think all supermarkets have um, put um, protection across your tills just to kind of put some kind of barrier in between customers and staff just so for protection for both parties. You've also got in terms of PPE, so gloves, masks, um, which is completely up to the employee if they want to wear. Like government legislations have always said, well, it's changed a little bit now, but when it first came out, it always said um, a mask only for, for use for people who are looking after someone with coronavirus symptoms. Um, so if, if anyone did want to wear a mask, it's never a case of, no, you can't. Yes, you can wear it. And if that's your decision to take, if you don't want to wear it, you don't have to. Um, so whatever employees needed or required um, to feel safe at the workplace, they were provided that because at the end of the day, they are um, frontline employees, not frontline, but key workers who will come into contact with thousands of thousands of people. Um, so whatever they feel and needed to be protected, it's, it's always been provided hand sanitizer, antibacterial hand wash, um, all those things that we could provide, we've provided for employees to make sure they feel safe. Do they feel like, um, do you sort of get a general sense, like they feel like they kind of want to come in and continue coming in? Or is it kind of, do they get pressurised at all? 
Like, I don't know, how does it work exactly? It's always been up to the employee, to be fair. So when the lockdown happened, um, if employees decided they want to self-isolate for themselves for safety fears, they were allowed. Um, if they had symptoms and they shouldn't be committed to work, they shouldn't. Um, for for all supermarkets, there's always been the case of protecting everyone in store, um, colleagues and customers. Um, so it's always about, okay, yeah, you have got a shift today, but if you have symptoms and you shouldn't be coming into work, don't come into work because the the risk to everyone else is huge. And then during this time, there's there's no reason to take any risks and putting yeah. more people at danger. Um, so it's always been the case of if someone doesn't feel like they want to come into work for any reason, um, they are allowed to self-isolate and take that time until lockdown is lifted or to the government say, actually, um, you are allowed. If you're vulnerable and extremely vulnerable, um, you're being told to stay at home for 12 weeks. You stay at home for 12 weeks. It's really, really simple. Um, mm. And it's just following those guidelines. So how, how did you see in terms of your stores? Like, What, what did you see? in terms of employees numbers at full capacity, less on a normal, you know, week by week basis in this time of the year, how did that it's, sort of change? Or it's, if very, if all? it's very, um, location dependent. So the spread of, um, the virus in London was huge. Um, so the impact on the members of staff in those stores will be massive. Um, just because of they're more at risk of getting the virus and passing it on and it's a lot more um, difficult to manage yeah. whilst in let's say but you could probably put north. Midland mate you could probably yeah, put yeah. Midlands in that group because they were like almost the second most affected region right if I'm not they mistaken. were but they were, um, yeah. in terms of like London and the size of the Midlands it's varied it's not quite big yeah, so like fair. if you were to so let's say um, let's just look at one city like let's say Birmingham, for example, um, it probably it probably wouldn't be as big of a spread. So in terms of how much of the employees in those stores would have been impacted, it'd probably be very like different compared to the stores in London. Um, but overall it's it's not it's not been a huge impact, to be fair, in terms of employee numbers from what I've seen. Okay. Interesting stuff. Um, going back to the um, how protected the staff have been uh, in a financial point of view, was there any was, was there any sort of discussion surrounding the concept of hazard pay at all, whether it was from the employees themselves or their bosses or whoever it may be? Did that concept ever get discussed, or how what is it? Do you mean? You know? uh, so, what, being a key worker, were you sort of giving your staff and yourselves, whoever was still working on the front line? Uh, of well, in the supermarket industry, obviously not not NHS, but still key counted as key workers during this pandemic. Were they given sort of a bonus or pay of anything just because they're they're, they're helping out, you know, putting their their own health at risk and you know, things like that? So, um, in terms of bonuses, um, employees were paid a bonus for the hours they worked in March, um, and then we had like kind of bone or like kind of treats every week for employees um so a certain amount of money per employee to just like get whatever you want in terms of like it's pizza easter eggs those kind of things as a thank you okay um, cool it's so cool. we did those as well um but that is a form sure. of hazard pay right i mean like you said you gave them bonuses all in march so that, that's kind of a form yeah, so of the bonuses pay, yeah. i'd say is the bonus is like yeah it's just like a thank you for like the hard work and putting themselves out here because it is Absolutely. very difficult and 
um, during this time period that they are we are putting ourselves at risk, but not as much of a risk as the NHS, but it's still a risk to be fair. And it's just a little thank you to say thank you for, for your hard work. Yeah, that's quality. That's awesome. Right, so um, going back to the football discussion, I know you mentioned you had similar sort of amount of people, if you like, during the time of year where you weren't expecting that many people. Do you know what I mean? Like the numbers of customers were crazy high. The number of staff, the risk of them, like you said, maybe not entering the workforce or whatever, could be reduced, could be impacted. Uh, you, you were seeing panic buys, so your, your stock was being, um, you know, really, really taken down to like a low level. Um, yeah, all these factors in the middle of a, let's say, a season where you weren't expecting it. How did this affect uh, your stores and the supermarket sales sort of maybe as a, as a business and a financial point of view? And also, what kind of measures did you have to come up with? Because I'm assuming you had to be quite creative to really replenish, like you said, these uh, shelves and the staffs, members who didn't want to come in and, you know, all these sort of issues and things you're dealing with. How, you know, walk us through that kind of process. With the panic buying, uh, it was very much out of the blue. You could you kind of see little trends of like certain lines just being bought in, in big quantities daily, um, which probably happened because, to be fair about it, um, lockdown was like March 23rd. But the panic buying happened like probably like 10 days before, and even like probably like a week before. They would, you would still see like little uplifts on certain things. Um, which like ambient goods so no real dates on them but you would start seeing like an increase in like um antibacterial hand sanitizer those kind of things before it actually kicked off um and then i think before the lockdown happened the demand was like crazy for everything so like it took days to get pasta um anything tin sold like crazy anything that you can store was just going mad and the way to think about it is um, if one supermarket can't offer their full offering, that's just say another thousand customers then who will go to another supermarket. If they have the same issue, then it goes to the next supermarket, next supermarket, next supermarket. So what happens is um, it just snowballs into one massive impact until every single supermarket has nothing left. And the difficulty of that is in terms of a supply chain issue, is all supermarkets and then asking for the same thing. I think one thing um, which was difficult during the whole period is, for example, with with Brexit happening um, and people panic buying for Brexit, that's a lot more contained because it's a UK issue. So in terms of supply, we could go somewhere else for supply and manage to keep our, sh our shelves stocked up. With this panic buying, it's a global issue. So every country is doing the same thing every country is going to the same supplier and if the panic buying continued it would be very difficult for us to compete with other countries to get supplies as well and that's why this probably looked a lot crazier because panic buying did happen during brexit during the whole brexit debate about what's going to happen would it be a deal it did happen but it was easier to manage because we were the only country going through that right now it's very very difficult and i think that's why um even now you're still going they're still like home baking you can't get much stuff off flour you still can't get hold of there's still things that are very difficult but we are competing now with other countries who may be in lockdown as well um and that's what really escalated the panic behind more and i think with social media and um everyone saying and and like 
fake news going around and saying this is what a lockdown is going to be it really did make it difficult and it just makes it harder because you'll see like vulnerable people coming in to buy stuff that they normally need and, and want and they can't and with that then the kind of things that every supermarket has to do is put restrictions on everything and a lot of times it's difficult for store teams to to be able to kind of deal with the customer's frustrations on that because certain customers have been buying a certain amount of like for example milk uht milk um people would buy in cases and that's just their normal shop and it's difficult for them to then understand why can't i buy my normal shop and then the frustrations go out onto store colleagues which um isn't fair but i think yeah it's just kind of a lot of a lot of emotion for a lot of people when you can't get what you want um but yeah definitely definitely i mean that that sounds like an emotive yeah definitely emotive period was there anything you witnessed or um any stories you heard about you know maybe some customers going over the top whether yourself or your staff or anything you'd see it every day to be fair i think before the product restrictions came in you'd see it um and then it's very difficult to manage um so for all supermarkets to say this is the only restrictions we have on this areas. So to say, okay, so for hand sanitizer, pasta, we're going to limit it to this. The only way you can manage that is then saying, okay, a blanket to make it as, as um, less of a uh, aggressive situation with the customer. The only way to get through it is to say, okay, four of everything, which then just means customers are then picking, oh, but I want four, like four tins of beer. Why can't, like four is not going to last me one day. Like I need eight and then it causes yeah. issues there, but it's the only way you can be consistent and make it fair for everyone. Um, yeah. But yeah, in terms of like, you just see it, like you'll see people buy like eight packs of 24 toilet rolls and it's just like crazy. And I yeah. think there's that picture of that lady who was shopping somewhere, like old lady and there's nothing on the shelves, which went around quite viral. Um, but like unless we learn from that as a country and and say if this happens again we just buy what we need it will happen again Hmm. was there any like real particular stock that you can sort of remember that was sort of notoriously difficult to get hold of um like you said because it's a global problem maybe it was struggle to get get it imported or something um or did you see any products as well which maybe weren't really being bought as often as maybe it would do do you know I mean, maybe people's stigma on the certain product or I'm not saying like you sell bats and stuff at a supermarket, but, you know, things which <laughs> maybe they'd heard in the media, which, you know, might, might cause them to think twice before buying because people do put um, stigmas on things, right? Yeah. So <laughs> Corona, the beer, <laughs> it just did itself. Seriously. <laughs> it, it just did itself. So <laughs> if you, when, they, when this was, it was weird, when this happened, all of the beers were selling and Corona stopped. Oh no! It just it just didn't sell as well. <laughs> it was weird, <laughs> really weird. But that's kind of like the stigma on it, where people just associate bad things with the name of it. But yeah, that was that was the one that sticks out because I rem- I just remember going to loads of supermarkets and a lot of beers and stuff were empty, and Corona would still be there. Hey, that's nuts! I remember them. There was like this news article where they were saying Corona were trying to change their name because <laughs> they, they didn't want to be associated with that the virus. It's nuts. <laughs> Yes, it's weird. It's a good, yeah, it was, it was strange. Really, really strange. So, oh yeah, was there anything difficult to get, sort of get imported um, that you found? Um, so from, like, I wouldn't really know much about the supply chain um, to that detail, but fair, fair. Uh, the kind of what, I, what you'd see in the supermarket would be um, 
like tinned goods. I think a lot of like beans um, were difficult. Toilet paper was difficult. Um, flour still very difficult, but that's but the way in which it's um, packed and supplied. Um, like a lot of flour is made for bigger quantities for people for like mass producers of goods. So it's made in like like I think it's like twenty kg bags, which is too big for us to use at home. Mm. So they only make one kg bags as a as a kind of just for supermarkets. But the way in which we cleared through that stock just means it's going to take a while for those suppliers to get back to making one kg ones because it's less profitable for them. Um, and then home baking because I think a lot of people are in lockdown just baking. Yeah, yeah, that's about it really. And I think everything else now is coming back in, but anything ambient anything that you can store and hold just sold just sold mm. crazy um this might be a stupid question um but do you have any fears like economically for supermarkets going forward um or you know they're pretty much safe as everyone's got to eat basically i think it's one i think um in terms of being in this sector during this time it's probably one of the best sectors to be in um, just like you said, in terms of demand and what customers need and, and require, there'll always be um, supermarkets there to to provide the goods. And I think um, the the difficulty now is just making sure um, we can just maintain the safety for our colleagues and for customers as well, um, and just make sure like guidelines and and government um, information there that we we also enforce it so customers coming in. Um, who aren't socially distancing, we should make sure we're, we're making them aware that they should be following that as well. Um, because with lockdown being, well, not being lifted, but the kind of um, East, strap yeah. line being changed, mm. um, it has mean a lot of people are now kind of not really bothering about it. So it's just making sure that we're doing what we can um, to make sure we keep everyone safe. And that means just having a word with the customers, just asking them to follow it, and we should be doing that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you might mention this earlier, but. Um... Uh, what's the sort of protocol being uh, around staff members who come down with COVID or, uh, you know, COVID-like symptoms? How has this kind of uh, affected operations and I guess even sort of concerns of contamination, you know, with certain products? I don't know if you work in a bakery or something or meatpacking part of the store. Uh, how is all this handled exactly? So in terms of like uh, packaging the products, I wouldn't really know much about that, but from a um, operational point of view anyone who had um, any coronavirus symptoms because when this was first happening there was no real testing it was just a case that if you have symptoms or not um, go on to 101 um, put down your symptoms of what you have and then they'll provide an isolation note as soon as um, a colleague is having those symptoms as soon as we're aware it's just stay at home and if someone in the household also has symptoms it is to stay at home um, following just government guidelines to be fair so if the symptoms there they should be self-isolating for seven days if they have someone in that household who has symptoms and it's 14 days but if they were to then develop symptoms on day 13 it then isolate for seven days after that um, so yeah we just followed everything in terms of the government legislation point of view if they still have like after seven days a fever or a cough and stuff then it's actually stay home until those symptoms go um, and then come back in because like the, it's a very aggressive spread from what I've been told um, so it's not worthwhile saying actually I'm coming for, for your shift because we can't but what we do to counteract that is just make sure we have more people in those stores that day 
Um, so if anyone does um, have symptoms in the morning or can't make it in, we then have enough bodies to make sure we're covered. Um, because the last thing we want is to, to, to make sure we're not prepared for that as well. So just make sure we've got enough people in and having additional hours in just in case that does happen. Well, I mean, like, I don't know if you can put a figure on it, but what kind of numbers have you been seeing in terms of your own staff coming down with the, the symptoms or actually being <laughs> diagnosed with COVID? So it's varied, to be fair, um, in regards to stores and, and how many have had it. Like stores where I've not really seen it, it's like one person's had symptoms. Um, and this is like a, a workforce, workforce of like 80 people, so really small. And then in others, it's another store had about 25 people. So quite a big amount. So it just varies. Yeah, 25. But that's just symptoms. But it's not um, confirmed. It's just symptoms mm. they've had. But they um, were forced to self-isolate, obviously, right? Yeah, yeah. But then there's also, like, in that figure, there'll also be people who are isolating because of um, family and yeah. also having symptoms. Um, that's and that's got affected. People. Yeah, but that's got affected the number of bodies you have in the store, right? Actual available mm. workers. It's 25 out of, did you say 80? Or was that another store? Yeah, but then we, we also did, like, um, so every supermarket did the same, where we, we recruited a lot of temporary staff members to help cope with the demand. So we also had a lot of temporary staff members in as well um, who were there to help support. So, like, I, I remember when this, when, when the panic buy was happening, every supermarket recruited a lot of people um, to get them and just help support. Um, because during these times, it is very, very difficult. And with the current climate of a lot of people being furloughed and a lot of people made redundant as well, um, it's the perfect opportunity for people um, to not worry about financial situation they'll be in during very um, difficult times. So we did have a lot of temporary workers as well, which worked well. Oh, mate, that's such a really good point. Um, was there like a, I know you said it eased a lot of financial fears in people who got the opportunity to work during this time, like you said, temporary workers in your supermarkets, etc. But was there ever a, maybe around the peak of the virus uh, a few weeks ago, whatever, was there ever like a, a mood or atmosphere of fear on actually contain, catching this, um, this virus because of obviously the amount of people they come into contact with? Uh, and did that kind of affect any, any numbers or people saying, no, nah, I don't want to come in or I'm scared. Basically. So there was, um, yeah, you'd always get that. You'd get, um, people who would apply um, and be like, yeah, it's actually what I want to do. And then when it's like, okay, let's get your, let's get you in for shifts and stuff. Then they'll be like, actually, can I, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, because that's when the numbers were rising in terms of new cases and deaths. Um, so it is really, really understandable. Um, but it's one of those ones that we're still very thankful that they wanted to do it and they were willing to, to, to help you in this time. And if the decision then is made, actually it's not worth the risk. And, um, the health side of it's outweighing financially where they're at then yeah it's fine um but like for example a lot of university students college students who that has just been pushed to one side were like yeah i'm ready to work and from what the news has said and what people have said it doesn't affect us as much as say a uh, older person mm, so a lot of true. university yeah. students were looking into yeah actually i don't mind coming into work because if I was to get it and isolate for seven days, I'd rather have that and then come back into work and be able to make some income because to be fair, like these temporary roles um, can lead to, to permanent roles as well. 
Um, so for a lot of students, it's a case of, yeah, actually I can do that. And with a lot of supermarkets being across the country, when they go back to university, they can try to transfer across as well. So for them, it's a perfect opportunity to get into employment during university and also carry on and, and have a permanent job. Absolutely. Speak some sense, Rude. I love it. Um, <laughs> what, um, what's, what, <laughs> what's the situation um, surrounding testing? Because you are key workers at the end of the day. Um, has that started, started to be rolled out yet? Or what's, what's the latest of that? Yeah, so with the testing, it's um, completely up to the employee if they'd like to get tested or not. Um, employees who have got symptoms are recommended to test and go for a test to make sure it's actually is confirmed or not. Um, so like I haven't had the test yet, but I've had no symptoms so far. Um, and I probably will want to get tested, but I feel like until I've got symptoms of something that makes you want to do it, I'll wait until then. But um, we, do, we do know there's a high level of asymptomatic people in the yeah. population, right? Yeah, there is. But, so I guess if you have the opportunity to get tested, it's yeah, yeah, I would take it. Mm. Yeah, I would take it. And it would be nice to just to know. Um, but again, it's completely up to the employee. And I know like we're trying to book onto the test, especially when it was first rolled out, it's very, very difficult. Um, a very high demand of trying to get a, a slot to do the testing but I think now it's calmed down it's a lot easier to get it so if I wanted to get a test I could probably get one Monday to be fair and the website uh, is a lot better. How does it work exactly what do they come to the supermarket is there like places in the car park or what how does it actually work? So you've got centres everywhere so it'd probably be like for example um, like Wembley Stadium I don't know if they've got it there but they're probably like closed down like the car park in there you mm. drive in do a swab um of saliva um give it back to them and then they'll, they'll check the results um so it's very much it's very quick as well um but yeah overall it's not too bad and i think the demand for it has now slowly died down um so it is a lot easier to get tested so if you need to get tested you can get tested um but i think it's very good to just see if you're confirmed or not because i don't think i've came into contact with anyone who's actually confirmed awesome yeah interesting stuff mate all right, so kind of moving away from the current climate of supermarkets, I'm going to ask a, might be a dumb question or a creative question for you, but uh, how do you kind of visualize the future of the supermarket, right? <laughs> now, I know it's always going to be a necessity, um, just for your point of view, being on the inside of it, I don't know, do you see any kind of future revolutionary practices, you know, maybe physically, operationally, or anything that could change this entity, which is a supermarket? and form as the new norm yeah <laughs> say some of the, the practices that we've got at the moment which will probably stay along um into the future um so cleaning stations are one because i know a lot of supermarkets didn't really have that and by rolling that out now i think that's one that will definitely stay um what, what, what like, that? sorry mate just a button what is that what exactly is so that a, a cleaning station is um Every supermarket now has, so for example, hand sanitizer, antibacterial wipes, antibacterial spray, um, some kind of kitchen roll or something to wipe down trolleys, baskets, those kind of things. Um, okay. a, lot of, yep. a lot of supermarkets have also got someone on the door. Um, we would then like let customers in, let customers out. We'll also do the cleaning. We'll also um, make sure people are socially distancing and telling them in terms of, um, for example, if a supermarket has a one-way flow, they tell them, okay, you need to follow the arrows on the floor, um, those kind of things. So I think those kind of things will probably stay. 
So um, that person you mentioned, sorry, that person you mentioned, that's basically the supermarket bouncer equivalent, right? Yeah, the doorman. <laughs> no, <laughs> they'll be the ones to be like, not with those bad boys on. Yeah, so that's what yeah, so that's what it is. But I think those kind of things I don't think the the marshal will, will probably carry on, but I think the cleaning stations and those kind of things and, and will stay for for like a long period of time because it's it's just a nice to have and it just means customers are able to make sure they're they're comfortable with the cleanliness of what they're using. Um and then I think in terms of the supermarket itself um a bit revolutionary changes like will just be the emphasis placed on online um and i know like a few supermarkets are using like delivery systems um which use like order takeaways and stuff to like drop food off to people um so that's happening as well so kind of like a click and collect but it's not it's just a click and they deliver kind of thing um, and I know yeah. the e-commerce platforms been pretty big and like big supermarkets with really big e-commerce platforms and internet platforms are done really, really well. So yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think the major focus will be supermarkets looking online because I think customers who have gone to online have realized how easy it is and the ease of it has now meant that people can actually spend more time in doing stuff they want to do at home or additional things because they're able to not do shopping. Um, so I think, yeah, I think especially the age group of under 30s who have now gone on to online shopping of groceries have enjoyed it and have liked it and have liked what they've got. And that will probably get bigger and bigger. Um, operationally, in terms of what else future-wise, I think it would just be that. Like everything else has kind of stayed the same. Um, but I think because of the internet and what it can offer and what it can deliver to customers, I think then it just means supermarkets will be quieter and it will mean a lot of resource will move from the on the shop floor to then the internet point of view. Um, but that's the biggest, the biggest thing to be fair that I can think of. Mm, yeah, no, get it. It's a tough one. Some good points you got there though. Uh, very interesting. <laughs> I would just to touch uh, on that futures thing. One thing we kind of were sort of getting used to seeing before this um, pandemic, was the, the number of checkouts, you know, physical checkouts with a, an actual human, uh, you know, on the other side of scanning our products, they were sort of getting less and less utilized, right? And there was the emergence of more self-checkouts and all this scanning shit. Um, where do you see from your own point of view, uh, or if you, I don't know if you've been involved in any discussions about the future of these things uh, to maybe make more floor space for products, um, but where do you see these checkouts going? Because that's kind of like a staple image of, you know, going in and out of a supermarket. Um, so it is a a very, a very good technology, to be fair, like having these self-checkouts, which are automated. I think the one thing it, it does really, really well is it just makes the whole process very, very quicker. And for people who aren't looking to buy loads of things and completely pop in, pop out and buy this stuff, it's great. Um, I think the one thing it does take away, it kind of, it, it takes away the kind of values the company has because the person who serves you on the checkout, their attitude, the way they communicate, the way they greet you, um, for some people that will make their day. Uh, for people who, who don't really have uh, many people to talk to in life, it's, it's very good um, from a, kind of cost point of view yes it's great because it's not someone 
that's on the till. But again, it's very much hit and miss because I think there's nothing more frustrating for us to say when that thing goes off saying, please put in bagging area. And you're like, it is in the bagging area. And it takes five minutes for someone to then come across to sort it out. And you're just waiting <laughs> there for ages being like, this is a joke. So I think it is something that will move forward. But with all types of technology you have, there will always be ways in which you'll try to beat the system. Um, so I know there's been a lot of technology gone into it in terms of making sure people scan correctly, the weights are correct and, and people aren't trying to, to, to miss it because they do say like when you have a lot of these, your losses increase because people are figuring out ways. And most of the time when people um, do tend to steal using it, it's not your kind of um, people who want to steal. If they want to steal, they will take what they want, put it in a bag and run out. Um, it'll be kind of your everyday workers who for that day forget to scan something or um, it doesn't scan properly to put it in the bag and they're just like oh actually I think I can get away with this and like I shop here all the time so I, I deserve a freebie kind of thing which isn't right but it does happen so there's pros and cons of both um, like with employees and, and being there they give great customer service um, at times they may not give great customer service which is a massive impact to the customer but you know from a scanning point of view and uh, kind of making sure um, you can maintain your losses it's better um, but again at times it's faster and to be fair like employees if you were to get I bet you've seen like memes and stuff of like certain employees in certain supermarkets throwing stock at people because of how fast they scan um, so the scanning in like um, those kind of situations are probably a lot better, a lot quicker than the self-scanning. Um, but again, it's kind of the cost of having someone there against having these computer technologies, which are easier to maintain and run. So I think, yeah, especially with like social distancing and everything happening, that could be one where, where supermarkets are going to roll out more self-checkouts because it's safer from an employee point of view. Um, but then again, it will still need a lot of cleanliness, a lot of maintenance, a lot of someone there to make sure you can manage it because it's very confined as well the spaces so you would have to only use a certain amount of self-checkouts compared to a till um but yeah no like what do you prefer tills or self-checkouts depends it depends when i've got a load of items i prefer the tills um yeah when i've got a couple of things self-checkouts a lot quicker get in and out if that mm -hmm. makes sense yeah, i mean the worst I mean as well like the worst is when you know you get like you're buying booze or something and then you got to wait for the, the, the worker to come around and, you know, take off the tag and then press some buttons on the little, uh, little electronic screen. That's a bit long, but mm. now I do think self-checkout is very, it's quite, it's quite, it's pretty efficient, obviously, but um, you're right. There's obviously people who are going to prefer having that human interaction and the way you sort of said it, the errors and all that stuff. Yeah. It's going to be pros and cons for both, I guess. Right. Because I, I prefer um, the traditional method. Um, reason being, it's just because it gives you an insight into the, the way in which that supermarkets their values and what they instill in terms of their employees. And I think it's also really nice to have that interaction with people. And for me, being in this sector, it's always nice to try to find out a little bit more about how they operate well, and stuff like that. Well, how, 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 um, how well known are these values to these members of staff behind the tool, like from obviously you're a manager. So how, how ingrained are the values of the company put into these members of staff so that when a customer does come and approach them across the till, they're, they're always sort of constantly thinking, Oh, I've got to be this that, and the other to be in line with my company's values. It's in everything they do. So the training, 
um, their communication they have kind of like what what the store managers or the managers focuses are are or what they'll instill because again it's kind of like in this very difficult climate um, your product availability your customer service is what's gonna make make you successful um, and again the reason why um, supermarkets are able to do mass recruitment get temporary staff members in is because it is the customer service i know like if i went to any any kind of shop and i didn't have good customer service i probably wouldn't want to go back there um and i think it's just making sure that the values and everything we do is orientated around the customer experience they have um and the satisfaction that customers have is is the most important thing because if you don't have a good experience and your customers go to and one of your competitors um it just means you're not going to be able to survive in this tough market and I think that's the main thing as long as you have good availability and customer service um, and it is coming down to your colleagues on your shop floor and and how instilled they are with with the beliefs and the values but all the values and and the cultures you set in store come come from managers so it's the values the managers have which the, the people on the shop floor would then mm. give to customers sure yeah all right rude quotations rodman um thanks very much for joining us um mate it's been uh thrilling and i don't and i don't say that lightly it's been a thrilling discussion on the supermarkets and um hats off to you and all your staff for the, the job you've done and continue to do uh, thanks for coming mate i hope you've enjoyed it uh, thank you for having me i've enjoyed it so much on shared life um <laughs> <laughs> what i was gonna say on the last actually see rodman when he um went to wrestlemania <laughs> oh yeah I didn't even know that happened, man. That was nuts. Yeah, I didn't know that happened. That was crazy. That was nuts. Yeah, that was so that's where I'm off to now, innit? I'm going off to the NWO in a bit. Yeah. All right, cool, guys. Everyone at home, thanks for listening. Stay safe. Bye-bye.